0: This podcast episode is brought to you by IronSource. IronSource are not a spinach-based nutrition company, as their name might suggest, but are actually a game tech company which builds technologies that help you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor of Fun are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on over to ironsource.com, ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks.
1: This podcast episode is also brought to you by Appsflyer. Most of you are familiar with AppsFlyer. It's perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile, a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive marketing success. But what is attribution platform? Why do we need it? And why is AppsFlyer the best in the business? Brian Murphy, head of games at AppsFlyer, Can you answer these questions?
2: Sure, uh, right now marketing budgets are being impacted. Uh, so the need for strong attribution and measurement partners is critical. Marketers should be focusing on what's working best. So mobile measurement and attribution partners who help provide uh, those insights are even more important. Mobile attribution platforms determine which campaigns, partners and channels delivered each app install and marketers rely on these insights to measure and optimize their marketing performance for both user acquisition and retargeting campaign. With 1 trillion in-app events measured each month, AppsFlyer is the most robust technology platform and mobile measurement partner for any game developer to distribute and engage their application to a worldwide consumer base. Our scale and data insights provide customers with the unique ability to make informed marketing decisions. In short, AppsFlyer gives you the data and tools to market your games effectively.
1: So there you have it, folks. Go to appsflyer.com and get yourself one of the best attribution platforms out there. Hey everybody, welcome. Today we have
0: myself, Joe Kim and Adam Telfer and we are joined by Frederick DeCom and Jordan Maynard from Manticore, the makers of the new player creator platform called Core. Welcome guys.
3: Thank you, thanks for having us, good morning.
0: (laughs) Today we will be talking to Frederick and Jordan about Core and more specifically, number one, the product vision, two, the target audience, three, business model, four, key challenges and issues and five, the current status and future roadmap. But before diving into all of that, I thought I'd start with our understanding of what core is just based upon some of the, the blogs and videos that we've watched. And it'd be great to kind of clarify any misunderstandings that we have. But from watching a lot of the videos, and especially the developer demo that came out last month, uh, and by the way, I'll put a link in the show notes to all the, the videos and, and the blog post in case anyone wants to go deeper, but Just to kind of describe my understanding of what it is, I wanted to first start by kind of describing that understanding. So first, high level, the platform seems to be a high fidelity Roblox. I think, Frederick, you described it as such in, in one of your videos. So both a creator platform to easily make games by people who have limited technical and coding capability, and it's also a game portal where all the games made with the platform are made available to the core players. So similar to Roblox. The Creator platform has a WYSIWYG drag and drop creation system where you are able to take pre-built game templates, art assets, and other types of functional blocks and modify them. So it seems to be more of a template system, but with the ability to customize and for further customization, it seems like you can code against the creator platform similar to Roblox by using Lua, the scripting language. So, to some degree, it's kind of like a, a, a Lego for games, but the game primitives here are much more functional and higher level, but at the same time, templated. And currently, you can build games using the core framework, which runs on PC only for now. It'd be great to talk to you about what that roadmap looks like in terms of other platforms. And also, Core can currently publish out to PC only, although I know you guys have talked about a future roadmap for mobile and console as well. The platform also abstracts the infrastructure in terms of server and game operations from the user and runs all that for creators, so also similar to Roblox. And so that at a high level is kind of our understanding. And just based upon that understanding, wanted to talk about what we then would believe are the three key advantages and disadvantages and would be great to get your feedback on whether we've got these right or not. So in terms of the advantages, one would be that it allows non-devs and non-technical people to create very high quality games and and also very quickly. Two is that core manages all of the infrastructure for you, the live ops and, and all the service and all that kind of stuff. And three, core includes lots of assets so you can literally build Whatever game you'd like, without having to create external assets. So, from a cost perspective and speed perspective, that's very efficient. Now, on the flip side, the top three disadvantages uh, we would interpret as following: first, it would be harder to differentiate your game from others, from the templated functionality to the fact that all the shared assets will be used, be available to anyone in the uh, using the platform, and. Currently, it also seems like you can't import assets into into the system as well. Secondly, in terms of the monetization and revenue models, so developers jumping on are sort of betting on the future growth of the platform and for a revenue model to emerge. But, you know, so Roblox has been around for a long time, so it's been able to build a huge user base. But in this case, it would seem like developers would be betting that this becomes the next big thing and the revenue model emerges. And third, in terms of, like, the app space or other spaces, developers would have more control over marketing and distribution. And so here, you're not in control of the distribution and marketing for the game. And so it's not like, you know, if you have a mobile app and you can, like, spend marketing dollars and try to promote your app. Here, you'd be kind of at the control of the ecosystem. So with that, that was pretty long-winded, so apologies for that. But let's stop here, and Frederick and Jordan... Could you talk to us about whether our understanding of the platform is correct, and whether you would agree or disagree with the advantages and disadvantages outlined?
3: Right, right. Uh, thank you. So that's uh, I'm Frederick, the guy with the French accent, the CEO of Manticore Games, and the guy with the the, the regular Californian accent, American accent is Jordan, our chief creative officer and co-founder of Manticore Games. Uh, yeah, so it's a fully loaded intro. Lots of lots of points you to touch upon. I think there are a couple of things I want to say uh maybe starting at a super high level and then going into all the details you mentioned uh i think you you know, as you highlighted core is a fairly uh, complex platform right it's 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 it has two sides right as a side for the creators and a side for the players so it's a two-sided marketplace at a high level our ambition is really to make Creating games uh, much much easier than it is currently. As you know, currently making games is extremely hard. The pipeline involves, you know, sometimes a dozen tools. Uh, the mastery of all these tools, plus the backend servers, the multiplayer code, the publishing, the, the business aspects, so on and so forth. So Core is really a, a, a one-stop shop. For all that, instead of using multiple tools, you use just just one. And it's not just a tool; it's also a service platform, as, as you highlighted. So, um, there are lots of analogies you use. They are not all wrong. I think they are all partly true regarding other platforms. I think the, the, the key differentiators, and some you, you highlighted very well, are, you know, one, you know, the, the, the graphics, the high-end graphics, the high fidelity of the graphics, the high fidelity of the gameplay. All that comes baked in, right? Whether you want to make a, a single-player game or real-time multiplayer game, uh, an MMO, first-person shooter, a third-person shooter, everything comes baked in, uh, in, in core. So by default, de facto, so Out of the box, you get real time multiplayer, you get the servers, as you mentioned, you get like you, all that is transparent. You don't have to worry about knowing about the client server architecture, about scaling, about understanding what to deploy, how to deploy. All that is fully baked in, right? And so for us, that was very, very important because we see so many studios struggling financially. 90% of studios constantly struggle financially. And one of the reasons is because uh, it's so hard to make games, it's so costly, it's so uh, you need such a high technical expertise. The other thing you mentioned, you know, is is uh, so the graphics and the fidelity of the the graphics and the gameplay that's super important to us. The fact that when we play, because we, we come from that world of MMOs, first person shooters, third person shooters, as players and as game makers, the code, the multiplayer code, has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. Another key differentiator that that that, that you mentioned is is. You know, the fact that you have all that in one platform, it's, it's hard to understate. The fact that the analogy you didn't use, but that we use often and that we are uh, that are mentioned about Core is the similarity between almost YouTube and Twitch in terms of the creation, in terms of the usage, in terms of the fact that it's going to unleash lots of creativity in gaming that is not present today. Gaming today is reserved for a certain group of people who have access to the tech, the funding, etc. With Core, it's much more open. Almost anybody in the world can make games. and we're. Really have examples of people in very faraway places that typically are not represented in gaming, making games in core. So that's, that's I a, 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 a think, where, where I would start. And the analogy of Twitch on YouTube, again, to, to be clear, is, is from a, a player's perspective in terms of consumption. You can go from one game to another in just a matter of seconds, or it can be a game, it can be a world, it can be a scene, it can be a story, just like you would on YouTube or Twitch. And for the creators, it's also the, the, the analogy with this platform is because, you know, it's super easy, to create, to remix, to publish, to share, to collaborate, and of course, in turn, to find your audience, right? Um, so that's where I would start, and I don't know if Jordan has probably some stuff to add on the technical side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan, Jordan, maybe, maybe
0: uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but in terms of the advantages and dis- disadvantages, would you guys agree or disagree with that? Or w- was there anything wrong in terms of like, our understanding?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I was going to talk about the, um, you know, the perceived disadvantages. Actually, I think okay. in some ways become advantages. Uh, okay. So, for instance, the fact that, uh, you know, you mentioned that right now you're not allowed to, to bring external models into Core. You use all the models yep. that we provide. That actually turns out to be an advantage in a number of ways. We we don't find that it limits the creators' create. That actually I think sort of um, enhances the creators' creativity of what they can make with those pieces. We allow you to kit bash things together, um, such that you can make all styles of games we have examples of cartoony games uh, and examples of of sort of horror sci-fi games made with those same pieces Uh, it also on the technical side makes it so for the consumer for the player the game downloads very fast because all the heavyweight assets are already on the user's computer so they don't have to download all the models for each individual game all they download for each individual game is a very very small definition file It's like a couple hundred K. So that's why in the trailer, you see people jumping from game to game through the portals. It actually is almost that fast. You can jump from game to game with your friends that quickly. So it's, you know, there's, um, and on the, you know, for the example, for the marketing, the perceived sort of downside of the, the, the players in control of the marketing, I would actually argue that, you know, discoverability on the app stores, the various app stores is, is difficult, right? I think on Core, you have not only a level playing field, but you actually have just a link that is, if someone has Core installed and you pass them that link in Discord or you pass them that link on Slack, they click on it, they actually jump into a multiplayer instance instantaneously from that game. So I think it's actually almost easier to market because all you have to do is put your link in Discord and people can join your game.
3: Like one thing that's very important also is that this idea that you know in the traditional current in the current traditional game development world it takes like big teams lots of time lots of money sometimes to make almost any games even indie games with score you can be one person you can be two people three people and you can do amazing things right we've we've seen people who are just back-end engineers just ui ux artists uh, UI, ui ux artists make full games on their own which in the traditional game development world is almost impossible except if they have team time and
2: money right so yeah, let's move forward in terms of talking about the games that this platform can actually create. So I took a look at the video and I was actually very impressed with the technology and how, or what types of games you can actually build with this, right? Like it, especially going on that idea that the product vision is to kind of build a more in-depth, higher-fidelity Roblox. I think you guys have executed on that very well. Looking through the videos, what I was probably most excited about was the shooter aspect. Was um, that a lot of the games that you guys were sh- highlighting were shooter style modes and I could see the next Brendan Green, the next kind of like PUBG being built within this engine, right? But in terms of the breadth of different types of game experiences, you kind of highlighted that you've seen a lot of different games get created. But in terms of the breadth, like w- what types of games do you see players actually highly engaging in? so far and which modes or which types of games do you think you're going to be leaning into to kind of drive your audience?
3: There are a couple of things, right? So obviously, you know, you have all the materials we put out like a, a, a month, a month and a half ago, and, you know, and and the, the community, the, the content has evolved already quite a bit, right? We have like all sorts of games on the platform already. One of the reasons, you know, we, we uh, leaned into real-time multiplayer early on is because this is the hardest types of games to make technically, right? I'm not talking creatively, I'm not talking commercially, those are different layers, but from a technical perspective, you know uh, uh, making real time multiplayer games especially uh, shooters is 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 very very hard right because everything has to be perfect it has to be perfect it has to be Predictable. You have to have like all, all sorts of you know causality baked in. You know it has to be perfect under probably sixty milliseconds. Some people would say under two hundred milliseconds. But as a as a, a, a first person shooter fan, I know it's you know under eighty milliseconds I get really stressed, and uh, you know even sixty milliseconds, right? So we decided to have you know the the the, the very best uh, multiplayer code layer we could build, right for. Real, uh, for first-person shooters, third-person shooters, MMOs, et cetera, like because uh, uh, that's something we've done multiple times in the past, right? Our team has worked on MMOs, first-person shooters, third-person shooters, and everything has to be you know, absolutely perfect. So we decided to lean into that. But then, as you know, from a technical perspective, from a game design perspective, there is really almost no difference between a real-time multiplayer game and an asynchronous uh, 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 multiplayer game. So after that, it's up to the, the creators, right, to use the multiplayer code or not in their design. But, um, you know, I I talk to studios all the time, right, and we've all worked on multiple types of games. And there are studios to this day that avoid real-time multiplayer, not because they don't want to do it, but it's just they know they cannot do it. Uh, It's a technical hill that they don't want to climb. They want to spend their their, their uh, points, their, their their money, their efforts on other aspects of game development than necessarily the real. So it's all fully baked in, you know, uh, in the platform. So just out of the box, you get like a real-time multiplayer, whether you decide to use it
2: for, for shooting, for fighting or, or, or whatnot, right? Um, and, and just speaking to the types of games that are already on the platform, where are you guys seeing engagement concentrate? Because like when I look at something like Roblox, um, engagement tends to concentrate a lot around a lot of those top popular games. So Welcome to Blocksville and what's the other one? The the Adopt Me types of games, right? Like games versus YouTube has a very different kind of engagement pattern. Um, So with Manticore, what are you guys seeing at least so far? And I realize it's very early on the platform in terms of concentration of engagement
1: yeah so uh like you said it is very early in the platform but we have seen some interesting sort of developments from from our creators and sort of trends and so obviously there's a lot of games that are created on the platform that are that are made from our template system like you said that are very easy to create and shooters and stuff but very quickly we also saw creators doing stuff that we never expected and it's gotten to the point where you know if somebody asks is x possible on core or is y possible on core I used to say, oh, no, not yet. Or maybe you can do that in the future. But now I say, I don't know, like a creator might be able to do that. Like uh, we've had people make their own player pianos in core, for instance, that uh, it plays a MIDI file by parsing the MIDI itself in in Lua. Um, So there's really interesting sort of genres that are coming out. And what's really cool is because creators can share their stuff in the community content. We can talk about what community content means later and how it's different from a store and a marketplace uh, later in the conversation. But because creators can share their stuff, if one person decides to write a player piano and put it on community content, every game from now on can have a a player piano in it, if that makes sense. So you really sort of see this explosion of content that gets put in. As an example, I don't know if you remember the few months ago somebody duct taped a banana to a wall as an art piece in southern california and then somebody ate the the banana uh one of our um one of our community relations people made a duct tape banana in core and all of our creators were putting it and hiding it in their game as an easter egg like literally that same day that that news story happened so i think it's really you've never seen that possible in games before because you know a traditional game takes you know a year to make by the time you try to do a
2: meme it's sort of out of date moving on in terms of the product strategy with, with comparing it actually to Roblox, and you talked a lot about like all the different types of games you can create. Like, of course, like when you compare some of these feature sets to Roblox, um, they do include things like massive multiplayer, right? Right out of box. Uh, of course, their visual fidelity is much lower, but overall they do hit a lot of those feature sets. So what building blocks are you guys really leaning into to help differentiate the types of games that are created on this platform versus something like Roblox?
1: So that's a great question. And, you know, like Frederick said at the beginning, we really sort of, we come from obviously AAA hardcore uh, gaming, multiplayer gaming, and we really care about the fidelity, the gameplay fidelity, obviously the graphics fidelity is very high in core. Um, So, you know, the other thing I think is the ease of use and the ease of publishing. And we've really sort of been able to build core from the ground up. We've built our own complete game editor package from the ground up to allow people to make games. The other cool thing is that the editor package and the client game package are the same piece of software. So you don't need to launch another piece of software. You don't need to learn anything else. You can just like with the game, the same client that plays the game is anyone who's a player has the opportunity to be also a creator on the platform, which I think is slightly different from some of the other platforms. You know, there's a lot of, you know whether we talk about Roblox or dreams or even unity uh, or things like that, I think there's a lot of sort of uniqueness in, in core that I, okay. I've been making games for 25 years. I started off making games for the super Nintendo. Right. And I've used every commercial and every proprietary engine under the sun in that 25 years and using core feels like almost magic to me. Like I'm still sort of amazed every time I go and, and use it, the, it, the, Ease of iteration, the ease of publishing, it can't be overstated. I can show you that within five minutes, we can create a multiplayer game and have multiple people
2: playing it and published uh, from the get-go. Yeah, so it's, it's mainly around like ease of use, especially for these creators. And like right now, you're a PC-centric editor. Um, is there ideas to, on? Uh, I'm assuming on the play side, you're assuming you're going to be able to move to, say, console, maybe mobile, but on the editor side, are you also thinking like Dreams or like Roblox, where you'll have some mobile editor? So
3: edit, editor will likely be on the PC for a while. We might add a console access at some point for sure uh, for, for for the creators, right? Um, and then for the players, it's PC. Uh, it's going to be mobile, console, etc. Uh, we're also looking at you know the, some of the streaming solutions. We see all all that is going to be fairly easy. You know, we 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 also built on top of Unreal, so we benefit from. Uh, Lots of the great things they've been working on, especially after having Fortnite, that they've reintegrated into Unreal.
2: Um, And one last question on on this, Uh, in terms of the technical limits of the platform, um, do you guys have any sort of limits within each game in terms of CCU or number of players or squad account or this type of thing?
1: Yeah, I I can talk about that a little bit. One of the cool things about, uh, yeah, so core, you can have right now up to 16 players concurrent in in an instance of a game uh we're going to expand that to 32 and hopefully later uh more but if if you're the 17th person to join a particular game it'll spin up a new instance automatically so there'll always be bandwidth for you to join a game you'll never be capped uh and have to wait in a queue or anything like that the servers spin up in a matter of like five seconds for a new game Just to kind of go
0: further in terms of the technical limitations, are there specific, like, for different kinds of multiplayer games, because as Frederick mentioned, you guys are really focusing on multiplayer, I would assume that the architecture required to support a, like a shooter which has very low latency requirements and has synchronization issues relative to a game like a Clash Royale would be very different. So how do you manage these different kinds of games? Is it with the same architecture? Yes.
3: it's very very it's a very good question um so so I, as i mentioned before like i think technically the hardest types of games to make are the real time multiplayer games where you have like super fast paced Action—it has to be deterministic. It has to be uh, not, not only the client on the server have to be always in accord and, and know what every, everyone is thinking, but also you know you have to have predictability, deterministic It has to be deterministic within within a few seconds, so on, and so forth. You all understand. So that's really the hardest, the hardest uh, type of game. So we've made that possible on Core. After that you can reuse that you can detune it right like for instance a, a cash trial type game it is real time but it's not like you're playing Valorant or CS or uh, Apex right um, uh, it, it's slightly different the, 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 but, but it's, it's somewhat similar the architecture is very very similar in many ways I've said it's really how you use it I mean again there are some people who've made like non-multiplayer games people have made stuff that are not even games they are more like scenes and worlds and we have people who've made uh, all sorts of multiplayer games shooters battlers
0: Okay, but what you're um, saying, Frederick, though, is underneath the hood in terms of the, the architecture and the approach, whether it's like a, for the network sync, for example, whether it's like lockstep or MMO style, like, uh, you know, state sync or a hybrid like Overwatch uses, whatever right. that is, it's generalized across whatever type of multiplayer game it is. Is that, is that right?
1: That is correct. We solved for the hardest problem first, uh, which is the real time, you know, synchronous multiplayer games, obviously. And everything else is sort of a subset of that. You can make, like Frederick said, you can make a single player game. That's a subset of multiplayer. It's just player count is one. uh, And it, and, you can also do turn-based, you know, everything like that uh, is possible within core. We wanted to solve for the hardest problem, uh, you know, first and foremost, so and then everything else became easy after that.
3: Yeah. And for, oh. now, for now, the CCU, like we, we can have 16 players, right? Soon we'll have 32 and likely more later. If I say more, my CTO is going to call me like within five <laughs> minutes and say, don't don't overpromise. But uh, we, we have a super strong team, right? It's like a team that has worked on all sorts of super complicated games. Our CTO has 25 years of experience in gaming. The average number of years of experience in gaming on the team is still around like 15 16 even though we've had lots of more junior people recently so the other thing is for us it's all a lot about the creators and the players giving them the best experience and there are so many 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 games where you don't have two thousand people on the server sometimes you don't even have 100 People on the on the server, so uh, even with with sixteen or thirty two players concurrently, like you, the, the the combination, of, the combinatorials of, of of games that you can make that often, is is already pretty infinite, right? Okay,
0: so just kind of moving forward and talking about product vision. So I thought it'd be instructive to have you guys clarify for us what you guys thought in terms of the product vision, in terms of like what is the ultimate goal here. Is it building a Roblox for an older audience, both player and developer, or is it some kind of more grandiose metaverse uh, vision? Like maybe we could kind of understand from your perspective what is the the ultimate end goal from a product vision perspective?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's somewhat all of the above, right? Um, and um, you know, and more, and more. <laughs> so no, but let me uh, let, yeah, let me actually just know,
1: jump yeah. in. Real, yeah, is okay. So. Um, So it's a really great question. I think the overall product vision is to really sort of radical accessibility and inclusivity in gaming, right? I, I want Core to be the way, almost the way, like you can imagine in five years, Core could be the way that games are made. And it seems almost archaic that you would have done it any other way in the past. Just like how today we don't program games in assembly language anymore. And if you tried to, if you thought about programming a game in assembly language, people would think you're crazy. In five or 10 years, people might say, oh, wait, people used to use multiple pipelines and they had to have build processes and all stuff that seems archaic that seems crazy i can just publish a game like you can publish a video right now on youtube you don't have to go to a studio you don't have to you know have a contract with a network anymore to make videos
2: um so when i look at the space in terms of creative sandbox games like dreams as you talked about just came out uh, locked on the ps4 and overall the performance was pretty poor they haven't really been able to get to a critical mass of players Uh, But that's initial numbers and you look at Roblox and of course like is a amazing success Going shooting up into the right in terms of their graph Um, But when you look at the initial right like 2006 to 2014 almost um, They're really really struggling to get that critical massive audience So when you guys are looking at this creative sandbox space What are you looking at in terms of that initial time frame and like is there anything as a part of your strategy to kind of speed up that critical mass uh, phase?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after you know, listening to your podcast and watching your videos, et cetera, I'm going to use some terms that are probably more strategic, business, technical, but I think you can handle them, right? Basically, we're operating a two-sided marketplace, right? You have the, the the supply side, the creators, you have the demand side, the players, and and you have kind of the platform and the content in the middle um, with collaboration, with, with with publishing, so on and so forth. We're obviously looking at creating a flywheel effect, right? The the, the, the creators make content, the content attract players, and the players then uh, give us uh, all engagement and time and money and then we repurpose that in the platform by getting more creators etc so um, you know and 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 so you, and you mentioned also earlier like hey you know the the, the, the promise for a creator is you join the, pl- the platform early before it's fully baked fully defined and, and before it starts taking off and that's one of the big promises right uh, so w- we are doing all that right we are not just focusing on one side or the other for now we are focusing a lot on the creators because it's critical Right, we want to have uh, creators joining us, whether they are new creators, people who use Unity, people who use Roblox, uh, uh, so on and so forth. People who do game jams, um, and then we want them to get familiar with the platform, start creating, start collaborating with other people. Uh, very soon, we'll have the the monetization part for the creators in place. I'm not going to give you the exact timeline, but it's not, it's soon. You know, some people have seen what we've done and they say, oh, you've done your closed alpha uh, and then your open alpha. So you're launching in 21, 22, I said, no, we're launching this year. <laughs> and so uh, it's piece by piece, right? And then um, you try to place some, some efforts on all sides of the funnel. For now, again, it's all the creators because you know, we want them to get familiar with the platform, collaborate, meet other people, start experimenting. We have tons of schools and students and game jams that are adopting core as part of their curriculum. Uh, We have indie developers, we have uh, all sorts of creators joining the platform, then they're going to collaborate, make content. And we've been pretty upfront, if you've seen the the blog post and the the AMA we did a few weeks ago about the roadmap and the monetization about how it's going to play out and how the monetization is going to be structured at first. And in a few weeks, few months, we're gonna start reaching out more toward the players. We uh, see it's a different messaging, right? It's a different messaging. Um, and the target audience for the creators is pretty broad, right? It can be any creators, like people like Jordan with 25 years of experience in gaming, as well as a 14 year old girl in, in Belgium or Africa or South, South America who has a Genius Game ID, right? Or 20 something in, in the Reunion Island. And then for the players, you know, we'll see, right, what is the target audience, but it, it could be also pretty broad. We're also investing in, um, in our ecosystem, right? Training the creators and building incentives. We have tons of events and contests, uh, game jams, etc., coming up uh, in the next weeks. It's gonna be a very, very busy uh, late spring and summer uh, in the community. Of course, in the core community for, for creators. And then at some point, of course, for players. So we have all sorts of game jams and contests. Uh, I don't think I can reveal most of them yet. But it's going to be pretty exciting. We have also all sorts of uh, externship programs at play, where we we're going to invite people who you know, are not able to do their internships because of coronavirus, and to come on and do stuff in core and be trained in game creation. But you're right, right? You you, you took a, it is it, it, it's it's one thing where you need to have I think patience. Patience doesn't mean you don't do anything. You try to you know play some bets all along this flywheel and see what happens. To try to get the flywheel started. I guess for you it would be that way. And then I think, you know, we look back in a year and we see, oh, uh, uh, probably we were right on, on on placing bets in certain areas. And probably we didn't know, right? In some other cases, some things are going to work, some things are not going to work. And we will always be surprised, I think, of, of what will make the success of the platform, just like Roblox was, just like YouTube was, just like Twitch was, right? So it's it's going to be a mix of all that. Uh, I know it sounds like... Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, but what, who do you think is your beachhead? Like, is it sort of like the, the kids that are developing on Roblox that kind of age out and then go to your platform? Is it small indie de- you know, devs? Like, who are the, or is it artists that, you know, always wanted to make a game? Like, who, who do you think are your initial, initial creators?
3: Well, for now we have all of those, right? We even have, um, I would say, more like AAA-ish game studios experimenting on core to do prototyping. But we have literally like everything from like fourteen-year-olds that have no experience in gaming all the way to pretty advanced indies using the platform. We've been seeing lots of lots of good results, I would say, with with schools, with students, with aspiring game creators, because. Again, there is a um, almost an I wouldn't say anti-establishment, but there is like you know, as you know, the traditional path to get into gaming is really, really hard. I mean. (laughs) You know, we all got breaks to get into gaming besides Jordan being born into gaming because his dad was uh, one of the early employees at at EA. So he had it easy. But, you know, for the average person wants to get into gaming, it's almost impossible. Right. You know that. Right. the, The Frederick, the kid, Frederick, who was in this small town in France back in 20, 30 years ago, is chances of getting into gaming were close to zero. Well, so we're seeing lots of, lots of promises with, with, with people being at school and saying, hey, I've been learning to use all these tools, this plethora of tools to make a game, and I've been asked to specialize in arts, game design, production, engineering, and all of a sudden there is score, and maybe I should drop out of school, right? So we've seen lots of, lots of progress there, and, and also lots of innovation. Like, some of the games we've seen, like, are made by these people who have not been, I would say, trained or or, or tainted or or whatever you want to use, uh, formatted by traditional game development. And therefore, they just make stuff that sometimes early on don't make sense. Just like on YouTube, just like on Twitch, right? I mean, we're all watching videos that, shouldn't really make any sense, but here you are with a million followers, right? I think another great target
1: beachhead for us is also mod makers. Um, you know, the mod scene okay. is something where a lot of, of innovation and genres have sprung out of obviously famously, you know, the entire MOBA genre, now the entire battle royale genre has sprung out of originally the mod scenes, but getting those uh, mods to commercial success in the past has been very hard, right? Like it's taken 10 plus years in some cases to get a mod that was, you know, very fun and innovative, to commercial success and so we think with core with the sort of speed of iteration and the speed of publishing that could be a much shorter timeline
0: got it okay so just kind of shifting now to business model this is kind of the topic that a lot of our audience is the most interested in in terms of monetization I know you guys have touched upon it with one of your blog posts but just for our audience could you tell us what is the thinking in terms of business model both for manticore for you guys and then for your developers, is it gonna be more like a Roblox kind of fund or is it gonna be something else?
3: Uh, how does it work? It's actually very simple, right? So the money comes from the players. Uh, it's a free-to-play experience for the players just like any game, just like Apex, uh, Fortnite, etc. They come, uh, they play, they can play endlessly for free, obviously. And then they have access to different programs, different cosmetics, right? Uh, we have a very deep, beautiful avatar system. Uh, every time we show, the platform to people. People are really super excited about the, the the quality, the diversity, the customization of the avatars, right? Uh, so in some ways it's like lots of the other f- top free to play uh, games out there. So co- uh, cosmetics, right? You have access to cosmetics by by playing through so progression and by, by obviously paying. Um, we'll have avatars, we'll have all sorts of looks, themes that you can combine, recombine any way you want. Uh, backpacks, pets, mounts, you know, You name it, right? For the players, you also have access to all sorts of programs, right, that give you kind of VIP uh, select access to progression, cosmetics, events, right? So it's basically the kind of battle pass, season pass model, probably a little deeper than what you see out there without revealing uh, everything. But, uh, you know, you have battle passes, season passes, they give you access to certain progression, right, certain uh, stats, certain cosmetics, but also events Uh, that's a very important concept for us on the platform i cannot talk too much about it yet but you look at where i come from you look at uh, what's already happening in the community for creators look at the next weeks we'll have tons of events for creators soon we'll extend that to players so as a player you can be part of different different groups different systems right and so um that is kind of the main point of entry for 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 the money for the the economic influx Right, uh, uh, cosmetics, micro subscriptions, subscriptions, etc. You'll have ways to also give uh, subscription money to the platform at a platform level, also at the creator level. So players can, just like on Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, etc., they can give money directly to the creators, they can subscribe to the creators, right? And then, of course, in turn, we share uh, uh, lots of that with the creators, and the creators are going to be rewarded based on the popularity and the engagement of their games. Uh, uh, for, for, the first, for the first phase of the company, we're not really gonna allow creators to manage their own IAPs. We think they have already way too much on their plate in terms of managing their games. Um, that's one of the things actually, by the way, a little side, side note that we've been seeing is that you have people on the platform who you know, start making stuff and then people contact them and say, "Hey." What about this? What about that or hey, I took your game and i, I, I changed it that way. Do you want do you mind like do you like it? What do you think? So we want the creators to spend much more time on creativity with engaging their audience, uh, pleasing their audience, creating new content as opposed to spending time reading all the books about monetization, IAPs, et cetera. So that's kind of the high level model, but our goal is really to create a very strong economic platform for, for, for the creators, for them to make money, make a living, be incentivized to create the very best games and the very best expense for the players.
1: You know, like like Frederick said, I think the the really cool part about this is that it's the incentives are aligned, right? Between between Manticore, between the creators and between the players. If you think of a YouTube model where if you put a video on YouTube, YouTube shares a portion of their ad revenue with the highest engaging content. That's yeah. similar to what we will do. We'll share a portion of our revenue with the highest engaging content. And that really sort of aligns all incentives.
2: Okay. On the product vision, I just want to ask one more question. The visual identity of this game, this was something that I think, Joe, you touched on in the podcast previously. Okay. Like when we look at the UI and we look at the game, it's like very high fidelity Roblox, but it's easy to make the comparison to Fortnite, right? Especially when you're looking at the, the UI, right? Like, is this something that was kind of part of your product strategy to kind of like lean on stuff that players would know? Or are you guys trying to figure out how to craft your own visual identity there? You know, when we started Manticore Games, actually, Core was not even our first idea. We
1: actually started making AAA 3D uh, multiplayer games, and later that that sort of evolved into Core. And we could talk about that, too, if it was interesting. But our first game was going to be a game called Spellshock that was sort of a modern interpretation of high fantasy, real-time combat, uh, sort of a la WoW. Uh, Battlegrounds. If you you know if you had played some of the famous WoW Battlegrounds, we really wanted to sort of do something like that as a standalone game would be cool. And so the art style really started from there, sort of imagining what maybe a, a you know if WoW was recreated into in today's world, uh, what it would look like. It just so happens that it um, it sort of made a, 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 it dovetailed with the, with the with the Fortnite look when Fortnite came out. We we started working on Core even before PUBG came out. <laughs> uh, so long
2: before long before Fortnite. In terms of key challenges, uh, if you were to kind of summarize what your top like two to three big challenges that you guys are facing right now, what would they be? Technically, what we're doing is super freaking hard,
3: super super freaking hard. This is something that is not to be underestimated. I mean you're looking at a you know we're, we're a team of close to eighty people. you're looking at years of not 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 just decades of expense encapsulated in the tool but in the tech stack but uh this is super hard like uh, we've invested very early on in, on the on the tech side uh we're built on top of unreal. But you know we had to build our own editor, our own real-time multiplayer uh, code, our own publishing layer. So this is something with lots of surface area, lots of complexity. Um, So, but that's also what's so exciting, right? I mean, it's kind of uh, there is really not one week where we don't come up with a new angle, a new way to look at things, a new way to think about it. Whether it's a a feature, a way people are going to use, core, and then you you think super hard as a team and all that, and then you look at the community and you're like oh, wow, they just (laughs) blew us away with one new thing we didn't think about or one question, you know. um, um, uh,
0: What about the challenge in terms of, you know, I think you were describing it as the flywheel, but you've got a, it sounds like you've got a really great platform. You guys have solved a lot of great technical challenges. So I guess there's one part in terms of getting developers aware and getting them on and making sure there's a revenue model for them. But then at that point, to get the players, do you view that marketing as, as a challenge or do you think that once you have enough good content, players are going to jump on or how are you viewing that challenge?
3: Yes. So the mindset I would tell you is not build it and they will come. That almost never happens. Uh, and when it happens, it's, it's a fluke or, uh, you know, it, for, for, for what we're doing, it doesn't happen. Yes. Marketing, growth, community management, uh, developers relation, all that is super, super important. Uh, we're investing very heavily in that area. I mean, we we hired a few months ago, Patrick Bickner, who is you know I think, I think has three decades in gaming. He was uh, part of Maxis before it was acquired by EA. So he worked on all sorts of franchises over the years, all sorts of games. So it's an area that's super super important. I think from a candid business perspective, though, we are investing a lot toward the creators. It's very important. We have a very solid developers relations team, with the players it's almost in some ways harder right because you talk to creators existing or wannabe creators and you say here is a small bug of stuff like come to the buffet you can do this you can do that you can specialize or not you can make games you know and it's it's it, it is not easy but with the players you know you have to entice them right you're all competing for eyeballs engagement right it's like you have kids, right? So it's 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 nine. It's you know either it's ten p.m. and I've put the kids to bed, and I, I, I've worked for another hour and a half on the company on Manticore, and I'm saying, hey, now it's my time. <laughs> what do I do? Do I grab my Kindle? Do I go into Apex? Do I go into Valorant? Do I go into Core? Do I go into Netflix? Do I do something on my own? Do something with my with my wife? Do I play? You see what I mean, right? So w- we all understand that. So w- we have various programs to jumpstart the pump in terms of content. We have our own content. We have some creators we're helping. Uh, we're gonna invest into a, almost like a, a, a manual version of RevShare early on that creators can be incentivized and say like, hey, these guys are serious. Uh, they're already sharing revenues that we, we don't have yet because <laughs> we won't have the players. But so it's gonna be a mix of all that. But by, by the time we launch to the players in a few months, we'll have you know a huge amount of content of high quality of all sorts and we need and one, to work on the messaging also of course
1: yes and one thing i want to say about the content that we're creating uh is that it's all available to our creators to use and borrow and copy and paste the way chorus create is made this, um, what I'm showing on my screen now is a, a VFX sample level. You can literally go in and control C, control V. You can copy paste any one of these VFX into your game uh, and you have a high quality rocket trail or a high quality spell effect uh, by literally just copy and pasting. So all the content we create as Manticore is going to be available to our creators to borrow, remix, you know, use as examples, all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. And so last area, last set of questions around the status and roadmap. So could you guys tell us what's sort of in the pipeline for the platform and what are like the key priorities in terms of features, capabilities and things like that coming up?
3: There are several areas in which we're investing. One, we're investing, of course, always in core for creators. So we have more features coming into the service, into the client, into the editor, into the multiplayer, etc. for sure. Uh, more tools to collaborate. Uh, of course, the monetization for the creators, that's a big part that we're building the monetization for the players. So having a way for us to give money to the creators and have them manage their own games, manage their own publishing, their, their own marketing, but also uh, for a way for us to distribute the money, uh, a way for us to take the money from the, the players. I mean, uh, get, get the money from the players, get the engagement. Uh, so we're investing also a lot in social for the players. You can imagine like all the features I mentioned, like, you know, a friends list and friends related features, one click joins, all sorts of Grouping, chat, et cetera. Uh, we're spending also lots of time creating specific content for the creators and for the the players. Content meaning like games, right? So that's what we're working on. Um obviously, you know, there is lots of work going on in the in the back end, not just the back end team, but in general, like the back office, right? To be able to put core out there on different in different stores, different platforms. On the product side, uh, we're
1: doing a lot of cool features that our creators have been asking for, including uh, very easy ways to do NPCs, very easy ways to do foliage and grass and beautiful looking scenes. Like you can literally now with the foliage system, make a beautiful forest in under you know a minute that looks A quality. So we're just continuing to make the, the, the editor side easier to use and more full-featured.
0: Do you think that foliage system is going to be an issue when you go to mobile? No. Okay. Great. All right. So I think that's it, guys. Uh, thank you for your time. And do you have a message for our audience?
3: Well, uh, no, first off, thank you very much. This was an amazing forum. I really loved the questions. You know, I feel like my brain has been super stimulated. So that's awesome. Uh, that was, was really, really, uh, really appreciated the time and the forum. The opportunity to explain a bit more, a super in-depth question. Yeah, no, I mean, I think my invitation is really to uh, the the creators and soon the players that come, experiment, see for yourself. Core is in open alpha, so it's still early, but at the same time, it's still it's already out there, right? You can use it. You can you can come play the game everything is possible with score, come expense for yourself, uh, whether you're a creator or a player, uh, that's really the, uh, and, and we have tons of, tons of events and announcements in the next weeks. It's going to be a very, very, very busy next month for, for us. We're offering tons of things to the community. We're going to have game jams, We're going to have game, design contest, we're going to have an externship program, we're going to have an art creation program and contest, Uh, we're going to have um, even panels uh, to help people get into gaming and learn more about not just core, but in general game creation, game development. So yeah, thanks for the time.
0: Yeah, thanks. And I'll certainly have all the links to where to download core and all the links to videos and stuff like that in the show notes. But thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, that was awesome.